How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me from Calgary, Alberta, a tropical metropolis in mourning, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, what has been the feeling in Calgary this week? It's been hard to say because I haven't really been in Calgary for a lot of this week. Okay, for those who do not know, Canadians, we suffered two big tragedies over this past week, and... I forgot to include this in the last episode because it just happened that day, but Canadians learned on last Monday that actor John Dunsworth, who you will remember from the Trailerberg Boys, he played Mr. Leahy, passed away at age 71 after a brief illness. And just as Canadians were coming to grieve that, Canada also lost Gord Downey, lead singer of the Tragically Hip. It was reported that he had lost his battle with terminal brain cancer on October 18th after a year-long battle at the age of 53. The news of Gord's cancer was released to the world on May 24th, 2016, mere weeks before the Tragically Hip were to release what would be their final album, Man Machine Poem, and go on their supporting tour for the album. The Tragically Hip, for many Canadians, I mean, the news of Gord Downey's passing is something that... I don't feel that we've ever really experienced just a country coming to, not even coming to terms, but just grieving over a man who we as Canadians held in such high regard. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the only thing really comparable was uh, Pierre Trudeau's passing, uh, like, 15 years ago, and we were just too young to really understand yeah, but even that, I mean, and I know there were some people, especially in the West, who were not fans of Pierre Trudeau, but mm-hmm. the Tragically Hip were so loved from coast to coast, and I always felt the real reason is because, unlike other Canadian acts, such as Brian Adams and Neil Young and Gordon Lightfoot and these groups that made it big in the United States, the Tragically Hip, and this is not for a lack of trying, never made it big in the United States. Whereas here up in your Canada, they were a huge arena rock group since the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they, like, uh, Gord did so much to uh, try and affect change in Canada, especially with uh, relations and uh, the conditions of Aboriginal peoples in Canada. Yeah, you absolutely got to respect that, and... I'm sure he's been doing that for a while, but I only really became aware of it in the past year of his life. 
Now, Tim, you and I were talking off camera, and I asked you, were you a fan of the Tragical Hip? And you only and you told me you were only a fan maybe of the handful of their songs, I would imagine? Yeah, like, uh, the only ones I'm really familiar with for some reason is 50 Mission Cap. Which is about Tim. Bill Barocco, former Toronto Maple Leaf, yep. scored the OT winner. <laughs> Scored the OT winner in 1951 to win the Stanley Cup. And mere weeks after that, went missing in a plane crash. And they didn't find him until 1962 when the Leafs won their next cup. Which is a really Canadian story if you think about it. It really is. And, I mean, look, I could really make an argument that we as Canadians, we've learned more about Canadian history through the Tragically Hips music than we did ever in school. Oh, hard to say. Well, think about it, Tim, right? I mean, we learned about Bill Barocco through 50 Mission Cap. I learned about Jacques Cartier through the song Three Pistols. Well, you should have learned about Jacques Cartier from uh, your civics class. Well, I didn't, okay? I learned it from the (laughs) tragical hit, Tim. And, I mean, just go through their catalog of music, of all the Canadian things they've written about from... Like we were mentioning, Bill Barocco, Jacques Cartier, even to the late Dan Snyder, who, not the owner of the Washington Redskins, he was a former hockey player for the Atlanta Thrashers who died in a car accident driven by Danny Heatley in 2003. Yeah, that was tragic. And also, there was David Milgard, right? He spent two decades in prison for a murder he didn't even commit. That almost sounds like a Bob Dylan song. It really does. And, you know, going through everything the hip done over this past week, and you know what? It really is surprising when you think, like, and I have a note here, Dan Aykroyd, who fell Canadian, when he was host of Saturday Night Live in 1995, he fought to have the tragically hit play on Saturday Night Live. That did happened. they actually get the shot or no? They did. They, they did. played Grace 2 and Nautical Disaster, which I cannot find on YouTube for the life of me. It's kind of surprising that they didn't take off even with that. Like, Saturday Night Live is a huge platform. It is, but you know what? I really feel that... It is. I feel that their songs were just too Canadian to cross over to the United States. And I know their album Road Apples originally was going to be called Saskatchewan, but their record label told them to change it because it sounds too Canadian. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I know I didn't talk about this. I am a huge Tragically Hip fan, and I've known people in my life who have seen the Tragically Hip in some pretty interesting places. I know a couple of coworkers of mine, they saw them in a dive bar in Halifax, Nova Scotia. One of them even assumed at an amphitheater at a zoo in Akron, Ohio. Weird. Yeah, but also, and I can't stress this enough, I know... Even my dad saw them when they were playing the Royal Theatre and the Save on Foods Memorial Center in Victoria. And also, he got to meet Bobby Baker, the lead guitar player of the Tragically Hip. Oh, nice. Yeah, the story goes that my dad told was the Hip was touring for the album fully completely. And my dad had to miss the show because he was working graveyard that night. I forgot to mention, he was working at the Empress Hotel at this time, where the Tragically Hip was staying. And so at 3.30 in the morning, my dad's standing in the elevator going up to a floor, and Bobby Baker walked into the elevator. Oh, dang. Yeah. And yeah, those sort of chance meetings are... It's always insane. 
It is. And you know what? My dad met some really interesting people during that time working at the Empress Hotel from not excluding Bobby Baker, but Tom Jones, Mario Lemieux, Bob Hope. Like you talk about some pretty big names that he met and he saw at the Empress Hotel. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah, wanted to, just I just wanted to close this Victoria, out. Victoria, I guess. Yeah. I just wanted to close this tribute by saying, first of all, Thank you. Thank you to Gord Downey and the guys in the Tragically Hip for making us Canadians feel proud about our country. Not too many bands, not too many people can do that. And I was reading an article today from the Ongoing History of New Music with Alan Cross on Facebook, and the article was about what is your all-time favorite Tragically Hip moment. And I had to have a look back at the last 15 years of listening to them. And I go, you know what? It's not when I was hanging out with my cousins after my cousin got married, listening to four of their albums in a row. It wasn't me at 16 walking home from school, listening to them on my iPod. It actually has to do with this podcast. Huh? Because as you remember, Tim, back in August, when you came back to the Island, we recorded four episodes at your mom and dad's place. Mm hmm. And that was the first time in six years that you and I had been in the same room together. Mm -hmm. And so on the way back, I was in between where your mom and dad live and the school that we went to. And I was listening oh. to Long Time Running off Road Apples. And the song, the last lyrics of that song is, it's been a long time coming, it's worth the wait. And I just yeah, smiled and I went, you know what, Gord? You're absolutely right. All right. All right, Tim. So if you don't mind, we're going to take a quick break here, regain our thoughts, and return to talk about Top of the Hour and the three games we're going to talk about tonight. Coming right back. Hi there. My name is Dave. And I'm Neil. We're from Maple Syrup Shots, and we listen to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Tim, after that tribute to Gore Downey and John Dunsworth, there's only one way that we can cheer everybody up. And that, of course, is what the little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So to start off Top of the Hour, we got to give a couple of shout-outs. First of all, a shout-out to NHL and NBC commentator Eddie Olchak, who returned to broadcasting for the first time since his diagnosis with colon cancer. And he did the St. Louis Blues Chicago Blackhawks telecast on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's kind of weird how, like, all of these sort of like pretty famous people are coming down with or coming back with cancer. It's nuts. But I think it also kind of serves to remind that us that some of the talent that we've grown to know and love is just getting old. Speaking of talent getting old, we also got to give another <laughs> shout out to Brendan Lemieux, son of former NHLer Claude Lemieux, who got called up from the Manitoba Moose to play his first game for the Winnipeg Jets this week. You know, it's actually a really interesting story related to uh, Brendan Lemieux is uh, the first time Chris Draper saw Claude Lemieux after the incident where they were both walking through an airport and uh, Claude and his son were passing by Chris Draper and uh, Claude apologized. That's surprising. I never heard of that story. I heard of the story of after that game when Scotty Bowman jumped on the bus and confronted Claude Lemieux after that hit. Mm -hmm. It's in Chris Draper's uh, Players' Tribune article about the whole saga. 
Okay, I'll have to go back and I'll have to read that. Yeah, it's like as as much as everyone's kind of fawning over the Atlantic right, sorry, the Athletic right now. The Players Tribute is such a good long. It has so many good long reads about just the parts of sports you will never see. I haven't got a chance to read any of the Athletic articles of you. Uh, they're pretty good. Um, okay. I'm not sure I. I'm not sure they're good enough for me to pay for, though. I was going to ask, like, I read something about that you would have to pay for it. Yes. You get a free selection of articles, but you have to pay for most of them. Okay. I don't think the quality's there. Okay. Uh, The reason why I wanted to mention Brendan Lemieux in this podcast is because, like, I mean, man, we're getting old because you think about it, right? Like, we grew up watching guys like... Claude Lemieux and Keith Chuck, Jeff Brown, and Ty Domi. Ty Domi, yeah, and their kids are now in the NHL. Like Logan Brown's in the NHL. Brendan just made the NHL. You have Matthew Tchuk who just made the NHL. Max Domi who's in the NHL. Tyson Berry who's son of who's son of Len Berry. Nick and Marcus Foligno. Yeah, we can't forget about them. Yeah, man, it's crazy to think that, eh? Yeah. Well, the fact that matters, we're also, I think we're either the same age or similar age as Eric Carlson. No, I think Eric's two years older than us. Yeah, but that's still pretty wild. It is. So we have to give one more shout out. Now, you mentioned this to me the other night, and I like to go with the Sunday to Saturday model for doing top of the hour. But after reading about this, I went, you know what? I'll make the exception and I'll include it. And that, of course, Brian Boyle, the New Jersey Devils. We mentioned him a couple episodes ago because he had been diagnosed with leukemia. Well, this past week, or sorry, in the last couple of days, he has been cleared to practice. Yeah, and that's awesome. Apparently, it's the same as uh, Jason Blake of like 10 years back. Something similar happened, and they caught it early. Uh, they didn't even have to be too aggressive with the drugs, and they managed to nip it in the bud. That's awesome to hear, man. Yeah, and I guess that goes to show, always go to the doctor. Yeah, Brian Murray always stressed about that. It's just a finger up your butt. So, Tim, in our long and... <laughs> st- Sorry, Tim. In our long and storied history, we have never talked about the American Hockey League. Or talked about a story that happened to the American Hockey League here on top of the hour. Well, well one story this week really caught my eye. Now, if you don't know, the Belleville Senators, AHL affiliate of the Ottawa Senators, and Syracuse Crunch, who are the AHL affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning, played a game this past week, and Syracuse <laughs> scored to make it 4-2, to two, and a bench brawl broke out. Oh, this was nuts. Holy. Like, it's not one of those old-school bench brawls where, you know, people just climb out of the bench and beat the shit out of each other, but... Well, well Max McCormick was pulling people into the bench so he could beat the crap out of them. Could you imagine if they had a guy like Ron Hextall still playing, doing that? Oh, geez, or Ray Emery. Garth Snow. <laughs> Hasek? Oh, my God. Just the thought of that would have been amazing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that game is 
it was funny because uh, Max McCormick ended up with a one-game suspension from the AHL. Really? Yeah, because, yeah, you really shouldn't be punching, like, pulling dudes skating by into you to punch them when you're not even on the ice. Did he get fined at all? I don't know if he got fined, but I know he got suspended. And honestly, he kind of deserved it. Yeah. And now he's in, and now he's been called up. Yes. Yes, he has. So let's go uh, to our yeah. next story, Tim. Now, this is coming out of the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta this week. Flames Director of Communications, Sean Kelson, or, no, Sean Kelso, at Kelso Hockey on Twitter, tweeted yep. that having Nahid Neshi as Calgary Mayor is worse than having Donald Trump as president. The Flames have came out and stated that the media director's opinion is in his democratic right. Where do you stand yeah. on this, Tim? Because given everything that's happened with the arena situation, do you think maybe the Flames are backing him in as sort of a taking a swing at Nahid for that? Well, a bit of context. Uh, Nahid, uh, Nahid Neshi handily won the Calgary election. So, yeah, I think this is the Flames. This is uh, a frustrated person within, within the Flames organization, and the Flames trying to put some distance between them and the comment with the most lukewarm messaging ever. These comments were not popular anywhere in Calgary. No, I, honestly, I'm surprised he didn't lose his job over this. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think it'll... Like, I think Nahid Neshi is a smart enough guy that this will be water on the bridge type of stuff, but... Yeah, that's a really dumb comment to make about someone you're going to have to be negotiating with. Yeah, do, like, you, think, do you think maybe he, Nahid uses this as ammunition against the Flames in the arena? I don't think it helps. I don't and think it does. it doesn't seem to be Marineshi's style either. No? No. But yeah, I'm surprised he didn't... Well, he might have got disciplined, who knows... That's I didn't, just, I didn't read anything about silly. it. Pardon? I didn't read anything about it. Yeah, no. You saw newspaper editorials about it, and even The Sun, which tends to skew uh, right, and was a bit more positive towards uh, Neshi's main competitor, uh, Bill Smith, uh, was, uh, they're still fairly critical of the comment. It's, it's just dumb. Well, I'll tell you what wasn't d dumb, Tim. The Los Angeles Kings signed Brooks Light to a one-year, $650,000 contract. The signing came after Los Angeles learned that Jeff Carter will be out indefinitely. For that money, I don't think it's a bad signing for Los Angeles, and the Kings don't know how long Jeff Carter is going to be out for. Yeah, and Brooke, all that does is really shore up a bit of the depth with a veteran player who can still play at a fourth-line level. Yeah. It's a no-risk signing it is. with the slight upside. All right, so the next story we're going to talk about, the Detroit Red Wings trade Riley Sheenan to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Scott Wilson and a 2018 fifth-round pick. This deal was made because the Penguins are lacking depth at center with John Collin and Nick Benino leaving the team during the summer. Now, where do you stand on this deal, Tim? I feel Pittsburgh made an absolute good deal with this. I don't know. It's... They're addressing a need, but Riley Shahan hasn't really impressed, even on a re somewhat resurgent Detroit team. Uh, 
while Scott Wilson actually did has been looking very good in the looks he's gotten with uh, Pittsburgh. I don't think, I really don't think that uh, Pittsburgh got the right end of this trade, and I'm not sure Riley Sheehan shores up their depth problem. Even as a third liner? Even as a third liner. Like, uh, Riley Sheehan hasn't really demonstrated that he's more than a fourth line center. No, but I feel if they play him at a third or fourth line role, then I feel he should be a pretty decent and pretty solid player. Yeah, but one of the things about Pittsburgh is uh, they needed, they don't really have the wing depth to really deal with a weak third line center. So they needed to get a strong third liner, and I don't think they got it. And I'm not sure they, and I think they might have paid too much to get a weak third line center. Okay. So, Tim, you recall in the last Third Line Plug SenseCast episode of our idea of a live stream for Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. Hey! Well, somebody in the Ottawa Senators organization must have heard that episode because this past week, the Senators did a Let's Play of NHL 97 on, I don't know if it was Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo. It was one of the two... And I ended up watching that going like, ah, oh, you know, that's kind of, wait a minute. Hey, Tim and I came up with this idea. <laughs> what kind of bullshit are you trying to pull here, Ottawa? Who did they get to play, though? I believe Craig Anderson was one of them. I think he had a stand-in for that. And I want to say, I'll have to go back and re-look at this. I believe it might have been Mark Stone. Oh, that'd be pretty you, funny. You can't quote me on that. I will have to go back and re-watch it. But I just sort of watched it, and I'm thinking, what the hell, guys? Tim and I came up with that idea. That's our idea. Were they at least fun to watch? It was okay. Honestly, I think ours would have been better. <laughs> I can't knock it till we try it. That's true, Tim. We can't. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air. Do you have any stories that I didn't mention you want to talk about this week? Well, not about the Senators, but about Tim. Oh, I believe you might have a story here, do you? So, as uh, I mentioned last week, uh, I was in Ottawa for work, and I was supposed to fly out uh, Wednesday night. Now, so I get to the airport, I checked in previously, and they print my boarding pass, and instead of having my seat there... I wrote, it said, get seat assigned at gate. Which, Taylor, do you fly a lot? No, last time I flew was in 2010. That was when I went over to the UK. Uh, okay. However, I am uh, flying in December to our nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario. Ooh. So basically, get seat at gate is code word for this flight is overbooked. Now, did you book this in... You must have booked it in advance, correct? Yeah. I. It was booked through my work ticketing system. So okay. not only do I get booked, I get pretty much checked in automatically. Oh, okay. So I get to the boarding lounge, and uh, normally... So they called everyone up, everyone's name up, except mine. So they're like, okay, you got bumped, and they sent me to the customer service representative. Uh, so I went to the Air Canada booth, and 
it turned out four other people got bumped from that flight. Right. And five people got bumped from the flight before it and the flight before that. So what they think happened is they booked for one size of a plane and then got a smaller plane. Really? Yeah, so there was no way for me to get... So I was supposed to fly to Calgary through Toronto. Okay. There's no way to get me to Toronto in time for the last flight to Calgary. So I got stuck in Ottawa for the night. Well, I mean, you're talking about that like it's a bad thing. Well, it would have been better if I... A, there was a Sens game on, and B, I didn't waste four hours at the airport, so I couldn't set up anything else to do. So what the gate attendant, so what ended up happening is customer service agent uh, set me up for a flight to get me back to Calgary around uh, 1 p.m. Okay. uh, The next day. That involved flying out of Ottawa at 7.30. In the morning or p.m.? In the morning. So I had to wake up at about 5 o'clock to get to the airport from the hotel they put me up in. How far away was the hotel? Downtown. Is that... uh... How far away is the airport from downtown, Tim? 15, 20 uh, minutes? About 25 minutes with good traffic. There is a pretty much dedicated route that goes straight to the airport, so that's fine. Um, although, randomly, uh, in the Toronto airport lounge, waiting to get on the flight to uh, Calgary, you'll never guess who sat across from me. Who? Rex Murphy, a long-time talking head on CBC and uh, writes a lot for uh, the National Post. Really? Yeah. Good guy? Uh, He's a pretty good guy, yeah. All right. Uh, He looked pretty tired. And you know how he always kind of has that weird look in his eyes uh, on TV? Yes. I I am sort of familiar who you're talking about. Um. Like, if you showed me a picture, I probably would recognize him, but I can't like, make sure in my head right now. Like, balding with unkempt, really unkempt hair. Uh, oh, so not like Peter Mansbridge. No. He's, like, the opposite of Peter Mansbridge. Uh, he looks exactly like he does on TV in real life. Well, I would hope so. There's no making up that man. <laughs> so, yeah. I got into work at uh, 1, 1 p.m. Uh, mountain time, so, and then worked the rest of the day. So, yeah, I was basically on the clock for 12 hour, for 13 or 14 hours. Are you on salary or are you hourly? No, oh, I get me. overtime. Okay. Yeah, just so if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no. If I was on salary, I would have just gone home. You would have been like, fuck it, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, I but then, uh, because I stayed, I was forced to stay overnight, uh, Air Canada is mailing me $800. Nice. And it's not even, I have to use it on one of their flights. It's $800 cash. Strip club! Woo! What? No, <clears throat> sorry. Wait, Chelsea's in the room, Tim. We can't, we can't be <laughs> talk, saying that. Oopsie. <laughs> well, we blew it. Forever. Damn it. No wedding. Aw, that was looking so... <laughs> I was so excited to come out for that. 
Well, Tim, you know, after the shit week I've had, and believe me, if I were to sit here and tell you about it, we'd be sitting here for another hour with me bitching and complaining about it. But I am going to wait until next week to talk about it because we've got three games to talk about this week. We've got the game against the Vancouver Canucks, the game against the New Jersey Devils, and the Battle of Ontario against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But before we do those, we got to hit the music. Tim, it's time to start talking about the first game tonight. Vancouver Canucks versus the Ottawa Senators. This was a 3-0 win for the Canucks. Goals were scored by Brock Besser, Alexander Burmistroff, and Thomas Vanek. Now, Tim, we can talk about this was a frustrating game for the Ottawa Senators. We could even talk about how Anders Nielsen absolutely stood on his head. But the real story coming out of this game was none of those things. It was the return of our Lord and Savior and the one true God, Eric Carlson. Nice. Eric Carlson made his season debut. He played 22 minutes of ice time and was a minus two. Now, before we go on to talk about this game, I have a bit of a confession to make. Now, this doesn't affect you so much because you live in Calgary. This affects me living on the West Coast and, most importantly, living on Vancouver Island in Canucks Nation. It doesn't matter which feed you're watching the Canucks Sens game on in Ottawa. You're blocked out for both. So unless you watch it on TV, you don't get a chance to watch it. And... I didn't get a chance to watch it because both of the feeds were blacked out until like two days afterwards. And honestly, who the fuck wants to watch a, like a two-year-old or two-day-old game after that? So I just went, fuck it. I'll read some notes and I'll sort of set it up and I'll let you talk about it. Well, especially this sort of game where, truth be told, I was kind of in the same place because uh, by the time I was done work the game had already started so what was the point in buying tickets and driving out to Canada I would have missed most of the game pretty much like I said off the top this was a overly frustrating game for the Ottawa Senators as they had a number of chances of the game and Anders Nielsen with 32 saves collecting his third career shutout absolutely shut the door on us and yeah it was just a tough game for the Senators all around yeah, like, these games are so hard to talk about it because, like, the Senators deserve the win. Like, they were getting the better shots, better chances, and really it came down to was Anders Nielsen probably had the game of his life, and Greg Anderson didn't have that great of a game. No, and and we got to talk about these goals. So to start it off, Brock Besser scored to make it one nothing Vancouver. Craig Anderson's back was turned to him, and he did so while wearing Adriana Coyne's old number six. The Senators, of course, challenge it, but, however, it does not count. It counts for Vancouver. Brandon Sutter thought he made it 2 to nothing, but it was waved off because of a high stick. Alexander Brumistroff tipped the, shot, tipped the point shot in, makes it 2 nothing Vancouver, and he also does so while wearing the Toronto Maple Leafs' Kyle Wellwood's old number 42, Yes, he also did play for the Vancouver Canucks. 
And we also can't forget Thomas Vanek scored to make it 3-0 after Eric Carlson hit the post with his shot and sent Thomas Vanek on a breakaway. Thomas Vanek, of course, wearing Mike Sillinger's old number 26. Yeah, and it's... Vanek let that shot out from quite a ways, too, so I'm surprised that Craig Anderson wasn't ready for it. I know. I was watching that (laughs) on the condensed game, and I was just like, man, you should have had that. Oh, well, it was just a game where nothing was going right for the Sens, and everything went right for Vancouver. Well, Tim, it's time to talk about a game where everything did go right for the Sens. No. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the wrong game. We're talking about the New Jersey Devils versus the Ottawa Senators, a 5-2 New Jersey victory. Sens goals were scored by Kyle Turris, Derek Broussard, Alex Burroughs, who scored his 200th career goal, and Tom Pyatt. Devils goals were scored by Kyle Palmieri, Marcus Johansson, and first overall draft pick Nico Hersher, who scored his first two NHL goals this game. And we also kind of forgot John Moore also scored in overtime, but, you know, whatever. Shots were 46-33. Ottawa was perfect on the power play. Overall, fast-paced game by both teams for the most part. Ottawa really outplayed New Jersey until the third period when the Devils started to outplay and outwork us, which led to the blown 4-2 lead. And then, of course, the OT winner, which was Geese fault for not putting Eric Carlson out there. Yeah, that was some shit. Oh my god. Now, I was at work for this game, and you sent me a message to be like, Tay, whatever you do, don't go on Sen's Twitter. And I was just like, oh shit, something bad happened. So I messaged you back like, what happened? And you just said, Carlson not on 3-on-3. And then followed up with, what you expected happened. Yeah, and I was just like, fuck. Alright, I guess I gotta go home and watch this shit now. The annoying thing about this game is that it's just another example of how Ottawa's had this pretty brutal tendency to cop up leads in the third period. Yeah, it's been really bad this season. Yeah, and like, sure they've been able to like keep keep going into overtime in all but one game and have definitely got points from it. It was, uh, yeah, it's just frustrating because Ottawa have like, they really put the screws to New Jersey in the first and second. Like, after uh, Corey Schneider left the net, the gas stopped flowing. I thought Keith Ken Card actually played a really good game. He did, but he wasn't terribly busy. Sorry, Keith Ken Cade. Cade. Yeah, like, he wasn't terribly busy. Yeah, but what action he did see, I thought he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Which Sweet. is honestly, it's quite difficult for a goalie to come in cold it is one thing i do want to mention though is in the last two games alexander burroughs has actually looked quite good yes he has like he's been on the right side of the play uh he's been he's been the alex burroughs everyone expected him to be just in the net being a jerk yeah and it absolutely worked great for him Hmm. one guy who actually played really well was Eric Carlson, who had three assists in the game. However, not to be outdone, Taylor Hall quietly got four assists in this game. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of weird how it's been. Uh, Tyler Taylor Hall has always been on these terrible teams, but still put out very good point totals. 
Yeah, and but I, even watching this game, I didn't even realize... Not realize. I, I didn't really notice Taylor Hall out there. Like, him and Nico Hersher are making a pretty solid combo together. Yeah, and which has helped New Jersey on their absolutely hot start right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they'll be able to stick with it, but... Uh... Yeah, I think the NHL's been put on notice. Yeah, especially with the injury to Corey Schneider after... I don't know exactly what happened to him, but I know he left the game after the second period, and Zach Smith also left the game as well for the Senators. Yeah. The Senators have had brutal injury luck. Yeah, which we'll talk about in the next game. But before we yeah. do that... All right, let's talk about Ottawa's blown 4-2 lead. And, well, since Twitter absolutely tore Guy Boucher apart, I feel a lot of the blame should have been placed on Mark Stone. Because Mark Stone, who played the man, and he played it well, with a big hit on the blue line, and JGP didn't pick up the loose guy coming in, and the devil scored to make it 4-3. And Mark Stone, who tried to back pass it off the backboards bounced out in front to Marcus Johansson, and Craig Anderson didn't even see it coming. Mm-hmm. That was it's... such a weird bounce, though, but the way the Sens were playing, if it didn't happen then, it was going to happen later. Yeah, and all of this, despite the fact Ottawa scored three goals in the second period. Yeah, and New Jersey got them right back. It's frustrating, but it's the way it goes. It's the fucking wish it goes, boys. So let's talk yeah. about Guy Boucher in overtime. Now, this is what Sense Twitter absolutely tore him apart about. He started Pajot, Payet, Cece instead of Turris, Hoffman, Carlson to start the OT. And John Moore scored to win it for New Jersey. Like I said, Sense Twitter absolutely enraged despite the fact that Guy Boucher stated in the post game that he has started this lineup in the past. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure people were pretty pissed every time it happens, but I think what happened this time is there were four players on the ice, including Carlson, and then Carlson was pulled pulled off at the last minute. Yeah, and when I so, saw that, that's when I'm just like, oh, so this is what Tim was talking about. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, like, that was right in front of everyone, and it was... And I think that's why it got such the uproar. And then what I found kind of ridiculous is that instead of just saying, yeah, I fucked up to the media, he, uh, when defended, I played the best line I could when, well, you lost. Yeah, exactly. And even though I know Eric is fresh off an injury, I do feel that they should have played him in the OT because the one thing we didn't notice, or we didn't mention, I should say, is the Senators played with a lot of confidence when Eric was out on the ice with him. Mm-hmm. So that's something we did. I didn't notice in the first five games of the season so far. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, and they were taking more chances too with the puck. Yeah. Well, he has three assists on the season up through this game, which is a testament to that. Yes, it is. I also got to mention Christy Domenko. Dominko got called up from Belleville after this game to start for Zach Smith. And I'm not going to make a Dean Malenko WCW reference here. I already did that. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting name for them to call up. It is. 
Because I, I thought for sure, was it Max McCormick people were saying that was going to be called up too? Yeah, and a lot of people were surprised that it wasn't Nick Paul. Yeah, actually, me too. I am quite surprised it wasn't Nick either. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, that wraps up that game. And now we come to the third game we got to talk about. But first, before we go into this game, Tim, if you want to see me talk about this game, give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Tim, it's time to yeah. talk about the Battle of Ontario. Leafs versus Senators. A 6-3 Senators victory. Shots were 35-31 for Ottawa. Sens goals were scored by Nate Thompson, Ryan Dezingle, two by Derek Brassard, and two by Mark Stone. Leafs goals were scored by James Rand-Riemsdyk, Austin Matthews, and William Nylander. Ottawa, in my opinion, actually dominated this game for the first two periods with a number of great chances which resulted in three goals by Thompson, Dezingle, Broussard. The Leafs started to get it going in the third period with both teams picking up the intensity, which you and I both noticed. It spilled over mm-hmm. to the fans after a fight broke out in the crowd during the third period. Uh, it was a... Like, one thing I want to mention about that situation is a lot of Ottawa fans have stopped going to the Ottawa-Toronto games is more Toronto fans have started to come because the fan Toronto fans in Ottawa's building are very, they've generally been very disrespectful. They uh, have. And you could, it's gotten so bad that, uh, like, the it was more more so a Maple Leafs crowd than a Senators crowd in their own building. Yeah, and it's been very noticeable over the past couple of seasons with Toronto fans in, invading the CTC polluting our air with their bullshit about Austin Matthews and how fucking great that guy is. But I was talking about you off when we weren't recording, and I said, I bet you anything, the guy in the Borvieski jersey who took a swing at the Leaf fan, and the Leaf fan's probably lipping him off going, oh, look at your fan base, they're a shit team, they can't fucking sell out their old building, rah, 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 like, you know how the Leaf fans are to us. But you were telling me that's not the case. No, basically what happened is uh, most of the people who are showing the clip will start just with the Borvi- the guy in the Borvietsky dra- jersey. And honestly, it is pretty fucking funny that it's a guy in a Borvietsky jersey steps up to the bell. But uh, yeah, he was uh, harassing some girl and security was already escorting him the way out of the building. And just, and just like Mark Borvietsky himself, he was taken down during the fight. Yeah, boy. But uh, yeah, like, it was so noticeable that Dion Phaneuf got the Calgary treatment in his own freaking building. Yeah, but Dion Phaneuf has been used to getting booed at the CTC during his days with the Leafs. Not so yeah. much as a member of the Senators, obviously, but when the Leaf fans started invading our own building, it was very noticeable who they were booing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's one thing that... I don't mind if like they cheer for their own team, but it was beyond obnoxious that they start getting a let's go Leafs chant going in the other team's building like have some fucking class well you know what Tim I mean we're talking about Leaf fans here honestly I think Montreal fans are worse personally because you get them and their bullshit in two languages but the one thing I noticed with the Leafs fans is like you were saying, just how disrespectful they are in the Canadian Tire Center. And even last season, 
1200 put out a tweet saying the first Leaf fan got thrown out of the building, I believe at 20 after 6. So the game hadn't even started yet, and he got ex- escorted out of the building. Yeah, it's... Like, there's a reason why, like, the, a lot of Canadians just don't like the Maple Leafs, and it's... They all... Maple Leafs fans always pull this shit. They are. They're a very devoted, very dedicated fan base, but they're also one of the worst fan bases, too. Mm-hmm. So let's start talking about this game, Tim. Now, like I said off the top, Ottawa dominated the first two periods of this game. Freddie Anderson was the only player on the Leafs who showed up, and he was the only reason that the Senators didn't absolutely run away with this, making it, say, I don't know, 6 or 7 nothing before the third period happened. Yeah, like, this was, like, one thing that you could see is that the Leafs were getting super frustrated, and, uh, like, they couldn't get through the neutral zone. Like, one thing I noticed was that Guy Boucher was hard-matching CeCe and Phaneuf to the Matthews line, and for the first two periods of the game, they were completely stymied. Like, they couldn't get anywhere, and it was honestly a little embarrassing watching the CBC uh, play-by-play crew try to carry the Leafs' water. They had to result to talk. They had to resort to shit talking the Sens' performance against the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I'm just like, it's look, pathetic. I know CBC is a very biased network for the Leafs, but, but I feel for commentators, you should be unbiased. Unless or, here's the thing: unless you are commentating for a certain team, like say you're the radio guy, like in Buffalo with Rick Jennerette or Dean Brown in Ottawa, or uh, what the hell is that guy's name? The guy who does all the Bruin games. Oh, I know who you're talking. Cam Neely? Nope. No, no, not Cam Neely. Uh, not even Mike Milbury. I think it was Jack Edwards. Yeah. On NESN, right? Yes. Oh, he is incredibly biased towards the Bruins. But that's what he's paid for. Exactly. I feel like for a national broadcast, that's inappropriate. Yeah, and we, you know what? We noticed this and, during the Penguins-Sens playoff series last year when Jim Houston and Craig Simpson were saying, oh, look at Sid and Gino out there. And even the Sens call-ups mentioned that, going like, what if we were talking about the Sens and it was like, oh, look at Stone to Burrow to Hoffy to our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson. You know, that would just be like, oh, well, look at CBC. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, it's honestly pathetic. And midway through the game, I just started to tune them out. And it was funny because by the by the end of the second, they couldn't keep it up. They had to admit that Ottawa was handing Toronto their ass. Yep. And one thing I've noticed here was, God damn, Ron Hainsey is fucking terrible. Oh my God, he was terrible in this game. Well, he's always terrible. I know, but especially in this game because... Like, we're Sens fans. We normally watch Sens games. And when we see the Leafs, they're generally playing us. Yeah, but, like, remember how, like, Ron Hainsey, like, I remember when we did our practice episodes and we were talking about the Pittsburgh series. And Ron Hainsey was bad, but he wasn't god-awful. Like, he was still able to kind of manage the ice. And Ottawa wasn't completely dancing around him. This game, he was basic. He was almost a negative defenseman. Yeah, he like was pretty any, bad over there. Like, any time he was on the ice, like, Cody, like, 
the set the senders that were out there looked absolutely brilliant. Like on the first Ottawa goal, there was a whole half of the ice open. Mm-hmm. Like how does that even happen? So Tim, let's start talking about these goals now. None of these goals scored in this game were bad goals for either side of us. Well, that first goal, like the Thompson goal, is a work of beauty by Senators rookie Logan Brown. Logan Brown, who I think has been, he hasn't scored yet, but he's looked pretty decent out there. This game, he looked fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, he's what, he was, 18, 19 years old? Like, he's just a young kid. Yeah, and he was rewarded with a cool 11 and a half minutes on the ice. So he was given regular shift. Yeah, so he's obviously earning Guy Boucher's res- respect and trust out there. Mm-hmm. And I think after that first goal, like, he deserved it. Did you see what he did? No. Which which goal are we talking about? Uh, Nate Thompson's goal. Um, yes, it's not super fresh in my mind, but I do know what you're talking about. Uh, basically, uh, scrum behind the net. Logan Brown notices that Anderson's sort of out of position and Nate Thompson's got a clear eye to the goal, so he kicks the puck to his stick and then sl- and then pushes it off to Nate Thompson's stick and Nate Thompson finishes. Nice. Well, that's such a heads-up play. Like, and from just from a guy who's like 18 playing against people that are like way bigger than him, that's honestly impressive. Yeah, and Logan Brown's not a small guy. He's 6'6", six, six, maybe... Soaking wet, maybe 200 pounds at that. Yeah. So like, he's going to be huge, man, when he grows into that body. And I've, I told you this in the past, I expect, or maybe it's just wishful thinking. I think, honestly, with this guy, we're going to have another Spezza on our hands if we develop him correctly. Well, I think he's getting, like, all they have to do is keep giving him a regular shift, and it looks like he'll be able to carry his line mates on his own. Mm-hmm. Ottawa, however, he- there were... Not everybody looked great. Bobby Ryan, now, he looked pretty good. He had a couple of really great chances. And then the Bobby Ryan from last season happened when he broke his finger. Again. Again. And it's really a shame because Bobby Ryan has really had... Like, the confidence from we saw out of him in the playoffs has translated into this season. I thought... Wow, like this is the guy who we gave that big contract to. This is the guy who we gave all those players and those picks for when we got him four years ago. And he's finally developing into what we expected him to be. Yeah, well, the one thing I think a lot of Sense fans didn't appreciate about last year was just his mom died, for God's sakes. Yeah, and I read that he was very close with his mother, too. Mm hmm. And, like, the thing is, it's a shame that he doesn't, like, it's awesome that he's been able to pick right up from last year. And uh, hopefully, with a bit of conditioning, he'll be back into the swing a bit. Yeah, I hope, I hope he makes a speedy recovery and returns to the Senators. Yeah, they're picking him in a month, which isn't terrible. No, it's not. And I feel with some of the call-ups they're going to be making, that would be great for these kids coming up, get some ice time, get some experience on the big club. Yeah, especially with Colin White slotting back in. Mm-hmm. One more note I got to mention before we close out of this game. Now, I got a tweet on the show's social media, at Third Line Plug on Twitter, from a person by the name of Miko9999. Now, she posted a photo 
of a certain co-host of this show with the captions when you can't get enough of the accents, so you have to sit closer. Oh, like my face was basically glued to the TV for that third period. I am looking at the picture right now, and the first thing I noticed was the see-through purple N64 controller. Oh, that's for the intermission, so I don't have to listen to Craig Button and Gary Galley anymore. Honestly, I watch these games after they're finished, so I just skip through all the post-period stuff. Oh, there's this was just such a good game to watch, though. Though, like, Burroughs looked great again this game. Um, the Mark Stone and like after Ottawa coughed up two goals, put to three two. Mark Stone answered pretty much immediately. Yes, he did. And it was Matthews wins the draw, then screws up the pass. Our boy Mark Stone steals the puck yet again and pops it off Anderson, then pops it behind Anderson. Like, it was 100% a Mark Stone goal. Oh, it was beautiful. One thing I yeah, gotta mention, sorry, one thing I gotta mention about the photo that Nico sent me is that you're wearing a early 2000 Sens jersey there by the CCM one. Mm-hmm. No, I believe that was... Was that your first or second Sens jersey? I, I think that's my first one. Okay, I thought the uh, the alternative black one with the Peace Tower shoulder patch was your first. No, no, that was my second. Oh, okay. And then I got the new one pretty close after that. I guess this is a, dig- a digression question. Uh... uh after this, I'll probably just talk quickly about Derek Broussard. Uh, okay. Are you going to get the jersey from this year? The Adidas one? Yeah. Uh, honestly, no. I mean, I do like the away jerseys. I think those are kind of cool looking. But yeah, the home ones are just so bleh looking. Yeah. And on a second note, I don't think they're going to be... I don't think that's going to be our jersey next year anyway. So I'm not sure if I want to spend $250 on a Carlson jersey that I'm just going to put away next year. Honestly, I bought a Heritage Carlson jersey four years ago, and I still wear it sometimes. Well, it's like, the Heritage jerseys look nice. Yeah, and you know what? With the subtle rebrand of the O at center ice, it really makes the fans really think, you know what? This is just a temporary jersey. Like, And you were saying, you're not going to spend $200 whatever dollars on a, one of their jerseys. Why would the fans, after they have this mindset of, well, they're just changing it next year? Yeah, I think that was that might have been a bit of a botch. Yeah. yeah. But I realized that the decision to go with these jerseys came in before Tom Anselmi joined the Senators. Okay. Yeah, because was it... Who, who was the original guy there? It wasn't Firestone. Oh, uh, Cyril Cyril Leader. Yeah, Cyril Leader. Thank you. Yeah, because I know he... I don't want to say that he was against going with the O, but once Tom and Selmy came in, he was like, you know what? Why are we not listening to the fans? The fans love the O. Why are we not going with the O? I like the Senator's face. I like the 2D jersey, especially my Radic Bonk one sitting over there. (laughs) Actually, speaking of the 2D logo, now you recall that... Sports memorabilia store on War Street in Victoria, right? Yeah. So when I was in there a couple months back and I picked up the couple of figures I showed you, they had a couple of car flags of the 2D logo. 
Oh, wow. And I was like, ah, oh, man, those are so cool, and I wish I could buy them, but no, I'm, I'm not going to buy you now. Maybe no. later. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess one last thing about the past few games, and I guess just the season in general, is Der- another player who's looking like what we expect them to look like is Derek Broussard. Oh, my God. He, he and Carlson both looked fantastic in this game. Oh, yeah. Carlson, who I didn't mention here, had three assists, so he's played three games. He has six points already. Eat that, Ovechkin. Yeah, eat that, Montreal. <laughs> but oh, Derek like I was Broussard had... Air, Tim. What is Pardon? a square in the Montreal Canadiens? What's the difference between a square and the Montreal Canadiens? A square has more. A square has four points. Yep. You know what the Habs and the Titanic both have in common? They're sinking. Both in the bottom of the Atlantic. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love talking shit about the Habs on this show. I think my favorite part is uh, their AHL team is the Ice Caps. Titanic meet ice, Iceberg. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, but like Derek Broussard was phenomenal, and uh, he almost had the hat trick on the night too, hey? He did, and... I know on the empty netter, I thought Broussard had scored, but it turned out to be Mark Stone. Yeah, Broussard couldn't skate through, so he just passed it off to Stone. One person we didn't mention was Johnny Oduya, who coughed up the puck to Mitch Marner, who missed the net, which would have tied it for the Leafs. And then, on the same play... On the same play, Derek Broussard comes down the wing and scores... Five to three, Senators. I remember watching that and just, like, I saw Oduya cough up the puck. Anderson makes an excellent save here. And then Broussard goes streaking the other way and puts it in. And I text my buddy, who's a Leafs fan, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this game? He's like, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the more I see Johnny Oduya, the less I like him. Yeah, I'm not sold on Johnny Adu yet. I was sold on the idea of signing him because I thought, all right, you know what, we'll give Thomas Shabbat a year in the A, which I was always pumping for. I was like, you know what, I don't want Shabbat to be like another CC or Lazar or Jared Cowan where they bring him up too early and they ruin his development. Mm-hmm. Although, we, although you know, Cody CC, we, we have nothing really to complain so far. No, like, he had a pretty... Him and Dion Phaneuf had pretty bad Corsi numbers this game, but they were also hard-matched to the to the Matthews line, so the fact that Matthews was pretty... He had one goal on the game is right. a pretty... It's a testament to what they were able to do. Yeah. And they only really broke down in the third, which is also pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Cody Cece hasn't been terrible this year has managed to take some time off Eric Carlson. It really has. Yeah, and Eric Carlson is probably more productive when he's not playing 30 minutes a night. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't want to give a guy 30 minutes a night after he just came off ankle surgery. Oh, for sure, and I don't think you really want to be relying on someone that heavy anyway. CBC did make a mention during this game that if Eric Carlson leads the Senators in scoring again this season, he would be tied with Boston Bruins legend Ray Bork in the amount of years a defenseman has led his team in scoring with five. 
And the fact of the matter is, I think the world finally accepts that Eric Carlson is the best defenseman in the NHL. And you can make a serious argument. He's the best player in the NHL right now. Yeah. And you could probably even argue that he's the best defenseman since Bobby Orr. Well, even Bobby Orr said that Carlson's better than he is. Yeah. And it's like Eric Carlson is phenomenal. And the national media is finally giving him his credit. However, like, do, you, think, do you think he's going to win another Norris this year, or do you feel somebody like Victor Hedman's going to win it? Victor Hedman's going to give him a run. I think this is the first year that Carlson has been given a legitimate challenge. Like, I guess Brent Burns, but Brent Burns fell off down the stretch. Yeah, that's more of a one-year... That's like a one-off. That's like Drew Doughty, right? Doughty, who had 51 points when Eric had 82 and still won oh, the Oh, so Doughty was a robbing, and I think that's just the Canadian media being too... Pr- like, almost xenophobic. Yeah, and it you know what? I like Drew Doughty, but even I'm just like, why would you not give Eric the Norris Trophy for that after he was a point-per-game player with 82 points in 82 games? And oh, correct me if I'm wrong, was he not nominated for a Hart Trophy too? I think he was nominated Carlson, for the Hart as well. Doughty. But, I, you know, we might be... Like, this crop of hockey players is something special. They were talking about we might be entering the next golden age of hockey. Yeah. Like, this Tampa Bay team, I think, is one of the best teams in recent memory that hasn't won a cup. Like, they are phenomenal. And they've made the finals. It's not like Washington where you have all the star power and firepower and you still can't get anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, and then you've got, like, like you've got superstars literally everywhere. Yeah. Like, Winnipeg has a star in line A. Toronto has Matthews. Buffalo has Eichel. Like, uh, Crosby and Malkin are still in Pittsburgh. McDavid. Ovechkin's hitting, heating back up. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, you've got you've got a very strong team in uh, Calgary. Bo Horvat has the lookings of a, of a franchise player. And I'm definitely overlooking players while I'm just rattling off these absolute star caliber players that are in the league yeah because i mean there's so many you can think of like, even oliver ekman larson in arizona right the most underrated defense of men in the nhl and clayton keller looks like he could really step into it as well and let's not forget tyler sagan and jamie ben in dallas yeah with radulov yeah they and haven't like, really lit it up from what i have seen yeah Although it's not it's not for Dallas not scoring. It's Dallas's goaltending is still a tire fire. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be Vegas's goaltending situation right now. Well that's just pure injury. Oh my god. Like the fact that they're six and one and all of their goalies from Marc Andre Fleury, Malcolm Subban, who they acquired, to you know, insert goalie here. I mean how how much further can Vegas go before they hit a slump with their goaltending. Who knows? But honestly, it's just such a fun... They're just so fun to kind of follow. Yep. And let's not forget, Tim, that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about him here on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Catching baby. But I'm almost tempted to get tickets for when the Knights come to Calgary. Like, I think that'll just be a fun game. Yeah, that'd be good. However, can I can I mention something to you? Yeah. If the Vegas Golden Knights, by some miracle, win their division, 
Will you go out and buy a Vegas Golden Knights custom jersey, though? Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm in the same boat with you, buddy. I'd buy it if they somehow make the playoffs. Who would you get on the back, though? Uh, Probably Neil. James, James Neal? Oh, yeah. Okay. Either that or Jordan Masherschult. That's a good one. I'm going to go a little I... off the board here. Now, we were talking about the XFL a while back and talking about the Las Vegas Outlaws. Uh-huh. I If Las Vegas wins their division, I will personally go out and purchase a Vegas Gold Knights custom jersey with the name He Hate Me on the back. What? Don't you remember that? There was a running back for the Las Vegas Outlaws and... Now, you recall in the XFL, they had nicknames on the backs, not their actual names. No, I never watched XFL. Uh, neither did I, but I recall watching the documentary, which was very well done. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they were talking about that Vince McMahon wanted nicknames on the back, so players were encouraged to come up with nicknames. Some were, uh, I think Deathblow was one of them. I can't remember which team he played for. But Vegas had a running back. I think his name was... Rod, Rod something or other. He played on the Carolina Rock Panthers. Star, who, yeah, yeah. He played on the Carolina Panthers, who went to their first Super Bowl. And in the XFL, his nickname was "He Hate Me" with the number thirty. Oh wow! So, Vegas Golden Knights. If you are listening to this show, Tim and myself, Taylor Gibson, will buy Vegas Golden Knights jerseys if you guys win the division. Hey, did you know that guy was on, like, the practice squad for the Eskimos as well? Yes, I did. Oh, wow. And then he ended up, he actually ended up in the NFL, which is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of those, ex- or some of the XFL guys made it. I think Tommy Maddox, who is the XFL MVP, made it to Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, and played for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still amazed at some of the players that, Vegas was able to pry away. Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand, like, I get that James Neal was a, James Neal was just a casualty of, uh, Nashville being way too damn good. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they didn't make a trade. Nashville didn't make a, tr- a picks trade to have them take someone else. And then Florida, I have no idea how they didn't protect Masherschel. I don't know. I mean, he the flurry is- one in Pittsburgh made sense because of, Matt Martin, not Matt Martin, Matt Murray. Yeah, but yeah, like you're saying, I'm surprised Nashville didn't make a trade to for Nashville not to pick James Neal the same way that Columbus made a deal with the San Jose Sharks in 2000 to not select Evgeny Nabokov. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I was surprised. There's. It's kind of interesting just how much mismanagement there was around that whole draft. I miss you, Mark. Yep. Well, Tim, that wraps up us talking about these games. Now, do you want to go into the close or go into a break? Oh, let's just go into the close. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love doing them for you. I just want oh, to mention... This episode was just super fun, too. What's that? This episode... Like, even though the beginning was a little heavy, this episode was just super fun, too. Like, it's always fun doing uh, 
Sens versus Leafs, and I really can't believe this is their first meet, real meeting of the season. And you know what? It's great to see that the Battle of Ontario is now relevant and interesting. Mm-hmm. Again. Anyways, going back to what I was saying, we are on iTunes. You can find us on there, Third Line Plus Sensecast. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. Because Dave from Maple Syrup Shots made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. Who, by the way, we got to make a shout out to them because Neil oh, yeah. and Dave got mentioned in Taggart and Torn's new book, Canadianity. Yeah, that's. Oh, that's so cool. That is. Good for you guys. Yeah. And on this past episode, Neil got a chance to talk with one of the actors from Letterkenny. Oh, wow. Have you ever watched Letterkenny? No, but I know it's big. Yeah, apparently they're coming to Victoria here at the end of the month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, we are also on Twitter. You can find our show at Third Line Plug. Tim is M901 Honey Badger. I am Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games, talk about how we rattle off about the XFL for too long, or... You just want to talk about our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson. You can email us, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Now, for the week ahead, Tim, we got the LA Kings on Tuesday. Thursday, we got the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a good week. Yeah, I, I hope so. Anyways, guys, for next week, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jansi. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!